0: This week on Backyard Footy. I'm
1: not going to mention the, the agents' names, okay? I'm not going to mention that because I have to have a little bit of class, right? Right, Philip? Anyway, two agents. I, I asked both of them, can you tell me the finalists for the job? Can you tell me who they're looking for? And These are the words they said to me, and I sat at home and I almost cried. They said, oh. they're looking for a Latino or a Spanish coach. They said those words to me, and I'm sitting there going, wow. what if I'm an agent, and they call me, and they ask me the same question, where well, we're looking for a coach in D.C. Um, Brian, can you tell me who they're looking at? And if I were to say to these white men, they're looking for a black coach, how would they take that? Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they said that to me, and I'm sitting here, but when I'm going, oh, my. They just said to me, you're not being considered. We're looking for... A Latino or Mexican, I mean, straight up, without battering their eyes, I'm sitting there going, do they even realize the climate that we're living in now?
0: What's up footy fans your host Hugh Roberts aka superhuman we're back live for the 41st episode I have another impactful episode for you guys This is the Black Lives Matter coaches edition where we dive into the co- the coach's journey and listen to the struggles of a black coach here in America And how they overcome obstacles just to coach If you haven't listened to the first edition please go back listen to the, the player side I have already part one and part two up listen to how us players have gone through the realm here in America growing up as black players, what we're kind of, you know, labeled as and how we even persevered through a lot of obstacles to get to where we are now. And on a bright note as that as well, because of the second episode, FC Cincinnati donated 250,000 to diversity um, units and groups in the community and locally. So it's all because of a conversation, but that's a good step. And that's why we continue to have these conversations, you know, and like I said, I appreciate you guys as well for following along and supporting this i'm very excited to share with you guys these guests that i have lined up for you all of them overcome massive obstacles just to get their licenses just to get to coaching opportunities just to get to where they are today so i'm very excited because they also not only overcame obstacles but they've impacted kids like myself definitely in the dmv area whatever area they've been to a lot of them have panned out to the national team a lot of them have gone on to the top colleges and a lot of them because of these coaches and you know overcoming these obstacles have helped us in the next generation so i switched switch things up a little bit i won't be giving you an intro this time i gave everybody each time in the beginning to give to talk about their journeys and the obstacles they overcame so in the audio you're here we're already into nicole hercules intro i accidentally hit record 15 seconds too late so we already jumped straight into the show but nicole hercules is a part of the united soccer coaches the black coaches advocacy group the first woman to hold the role. She's also the assistant coach of the Rochester Lancers and one of the main advocates for Blacks in soccer. Let's tune into the show. Let's get it. Thanks for joining in.
3: And excited to share this uh, stage with so many of my friends and amazing people and colleagues that we, we have here today.
0: Appreciate
4: you, Nicole. Okay. So, oh, I'll go after Um, I'm um, a former soccer player. I played on the national team. I even played with Brian Haynes back in Colorado. We played on the Maryland base together. Um, I've known Brian for a long time. Um, uh, I mean, I remember Brian. Brian's is a great, great player. And, um, you know, I know Hugh told uh, told us that he's on the Trinidad team, but he's championships here, you know? And uh, we are coach Nicole, um, thanks for going first. Nicole has been a big part of back coaches. Um, I've grown leaps and bounds since she's been in charge. Just um, thank her for that. And um, I'm just this panel. That's. I'll
5: go next. Uh, Andrew Bonada. I played Middlebury at Middlebury College uh, in Vermont. So up by Coach Bo in right. Dartmouth. Right. <laughs> um, so. After Middlebury ended up coaching. So it's funny, one of my very first games was actually against a, a coach in this panel, which is Justin Reed. Um, so, coaching U10s, my first game. I, I'm not really sure the score, but I like to convince myself that we won. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been coaching club for you know ten years now. Um, just recently, I was uh, one of the coaches at uh, Washington Adventist University in Tacoma Park, um, NIA School. Uh, just really part of rebuilding that that program uh, and, and kind of bringing prominence to the school, which has been you know great a great challenge, but also uh, very fulfilling. Um, You know, I've worked on various projects with Justin Reed, whether it's coaching seminars or a tournament, and then I'm also part of the Black Soccer Coach Association with Nicole Hercules, Uh, so, and then Coach Philip Zhao, I know him, you know, from my youth days, so um, either getting training from him or, you know, at Bullis High School where he coached at and where I went to high school as well, Um, you know, we have a relationship from that, so,
6: I'll go. My name is Bo Um Currently, a head coach here at at Dartmouth, you know, college. Going into my third season, you know, here, you know, I was able to play, you know, for quite a bit. You know, played against Hainsey, you know, back in the day, and you know, was the first African American goalkeeper, you know, to ever start a game in you know Major League Soccer, which was awesome. You know, I won an MLS Cup and you know a few national championships in in college. Then turned over into, you know, the coaching side of things. And, you know, I was able to be an assistant at, you know, Wake Forest, Penn State. And then finally got my own program, you know, at ETSU. And, you know, then made the jump to to Dartmouth. And like I said, it's been, you know, quite a journey, you know, to be honest. And, you know, Hugh, when you reached out, you know, I definitely thought, you know, this, you know, would be a great platform, you know, to just talk, you know, about, you know, these, basically being black and, uh, you know, being a coach, uh, you know, in, in this environment because uh, it's a, it's a challenging, uh, you know, every single day, uh, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, a club coach in the, with U.S. soccer, college, you know, MLS, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, it, it's a challenge, you know, and uh, I think, uh, you know, just coming together like this, uh, you know, is, is really, really important.
1: So uh, thanks again for having me. Of
0: course, thank, thank you. you. I'll
1: go. Really? My roommate's got a vacuum now? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he must have heard me talking. Uh, again, uh, my name's Brian Haynes, and I came from Trinidad a long time ago. Probably some of you guys wouldn't become born yet, 1985. That's <laughs> uh, when I came to America and went to a small NAIA school for four years. And um, I was very excited when I got out because I just wanted to go work with my mom in New York. I decided to... Take up a gentleman who wanted me to play indoor soccer. I'm like, what the heck is that? He said he was going to pay. I said, that sounds good. And so I started playing indoor. And then I went from indoor to outdoor. Met Philip in 92. I'm not going to say what year I started Philip. Met Philip in 92 and um, uh, 91, actually, in in Maryland with the Bays. And we went 17 and 2 that year. And we have a, I have a great story to tell you guys about the bonus system that year. The greatest thing that ever happened to me. Anyway, so I ended up playing for um, – with Philip that year, and then we played with the Colorado Foxes for a couple of years. I finished up my A-League playing in uh, Seattle with the Sounders, and then Major League Soccer came around. Played for five years there, and then Mike Jeffries was the coach who brought me on as an assistant coach, and I ended up being an assistant coach in Dallas for four more years after that. Fast forward, straight out of um, – the MLS, I decided to do some of my coaching. I did different places, started off basically in 2009. And I've been coaching, you know, with different academies and, and different um, uh, big clubs until now. And actually in 2013, I got my first opportunity to become a head coach and I became the head coach in Atlanta. And I was very excited about that because I, you know, as a black coach, to become a head coach. And then what I did, I brought another player who I played professionally with, Franklin McIntosh, as my assistant. And I was very proud because I had a all black staff. And um, we did really well. We went from last place to first. Um, we lost in the finals to the New York uh, Cosmos. And I was very excited how well we did. And I was expecting greater things to, um, to come. But I will get back to that when we talk later on. And because um, I don't need to talk about it now. but. Again, I I continue to keep coaching, and I've been in the academies until this year. I started off with Inter Miami, and um, right when U.S. Soccer decided we're not going to give you any more money to um, create homegrown players and stop the DEA, that's that's how I see it. Um, That's when Inter said, no, we don't need the 19s anymore. That was the team I was coaching, and they said goodbye to me, and I said thank you very much. And I've been looking for a job in these beautiful COVID temperatures and everything. But, um, I, do I believe, and, uh, I, I can't believe when things are dried up one place is because you're being set up to go somewhere else. And so no hate whatsoever to anybody or anything, but, um, I'm glad for this opportunity. And, um, again, there's a couple of things I want to share with you guys in the, in this whole uh, podcast that's really good for black coaches that I'm, that I'm going to – Philip Jarrett's going to be excited to hear it too awesome. because it involves Trinidad a little bit. So, as far as I'm concerned, very excited to be here and I'm just hoping that we can you know, have a good conversation and we can get something accomplished. Of
7: course. Thank you.
1: That's me. Tom.
7: All right. I'll go next. Um, so, Hugh, thank you very much for putting this on. Uh, you and I have a history, of course, uh, knowing each other through the Curling Sports Agency. That, that's when I represented you. Um, I think it was Richmond Kickers you were playing with at the time. So, it's great to see you still at Charlotte Independence and you're, you know, continuing your career. Um, So Justin Reed, I was uh, born in Canada, but I was raised in Washington, D.C. So it's a place that I've called home uh, for the last 37, 38 years of my life. Um, I played at the University of Delaware uh, from 2000 to 2004. Um, After college, I actually uh, coached for um, Lincoln Phillips he had a club called uh, Chesapeake Ad- Athletic Dragons. I don't know if many of you guys know about the club. Uh, I think, Andrew, you played on, this, uh, on the club for a little bit. I uh, so I did that first summer, and that was kind of my introduction to coaching after playing in college. Um, Lincoln's a mentor of mine. Uh, Myron Garnes as well. He's uh, he's a mentor of mine, and he kind of took me under his wing and um, gave me opportunities to coach at, you know, Reston and Herner, Virginia. Uh, sometimes we'd have to leave um our area Prince George's County probably around two o'clock just to beat the traffic and to get to a, a training session at 5 6 o'clock um but that was a dedication that he had and I definitely wanted to learn as much from him as possible um, after uh coaching under Myron I started my own organization uh called Quick Feet Soccer for Kids um as you can see we're kind of having a little bit of technical difficulties here with the screen uh my seven-month-old she, she actually dropped my laptop <laughs> so I guess. That's probably why the screen is acting up. But anyhow, um, so I started that back in 2005, 2006. Um, it's a program for kids as young as two years old, uh, goes to seven years old. And that's just our niche. And we move the kids on all, all to the various clubs uh, throughout the Washington, D.C. area. Um, so, you know, with Quick Feet has given me the opportunity to start as young as two and go all the way up to professional and just really learn about Soccer at all different levels, Um, and it's uh, it's been a great great experience. Hey, but Justin,
4: one second. Mm -hmm. That game, Andrew said he won, but you guys never mentioned the score.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Fifteen nothing, quick feet. It's about fifteen nothing. Easy. That
2: must
8: have been a dream.
7: Right. Maggie
8: I didn't know I was next I thought it was someone else There's a lot of people on this call So this is probably like the first panel call Webinar I've ever done with Like a lot of panelists But I'm, I'm super grateful um, for the opportunity um, Hello everyone I'm Maggie and Tim I'm currently a soccer agent um, CEO of Trinity Agency um, I mean, my journey into soccer was a little bit different from everyone else's, couldn't play. I mean, the most I could do was if I was lucky, you know, try to get a basketball and kick the basketball um, as a soccer <laughs> ball because my family could not afford, you know, to put me through the programs for it. So I ended up playing basketball instead. Um, but soccer was always like a first love of mine, um, having a family coming from Ghana and Jamaica. So of course, you know, it's, it's like, it's in our blood, it's first nature. And um, for me, I started my career in the music business um, on the marketing side and partnership side and, and kind of done that for a couple of years and then went on to work for companies like Madison Square Garden, um, Coca-Cola, um, artists like 50 Cent, um, and then being able to work um, alongside of companies like FIFA, MLS, um, and then working with talent such as like and Amape, Jaden Sanchu, and then of course representing guys like Hugh um and a few others and so i'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here so thank you
1: of course not thank you so listen you didn't now. mention any coaches you said what you didn't mention any coaches
8: <laughs> i don't have any coaches on my roster
1: <laughs> i am just saying i'm just saying, I, I'm, listen,
2: just saying listen, people, listen, I'm
8: looking
2: listen, for a job <laughs> <laughs>
8: Let me say this. <laughs> what am I you, you,
2: time
8: for? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were one of, when, when Hugh told me uh, the, the, the names of people on this panel, I said, Brian, I said, but I've literally been telling so many people from the MLS that he should be considered for the Atlanta United job. Well, Your name was the you know, first name that I recommended
1: okay, for a coach. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to mention the, the agent's names, Okay, I'm not going to mention that because I have to have a little bit of class, right? Right, Philip? Anyway, two agents. I, I asked both of them, can you tell me the finalist for the job? Can you tell me who they're looking for? And These are the words they said to me. And I sat at home and I almost cried. They said, oh. they're looking for a Latino or a Spanish coach. They said those words to me. And I'm sitting there going, wow. what if I'm an agent? And they call me and they ask me the same question. Where we're looking for a coach in D.C. Um, Brian, can you tell me who they're looking at? If I were to say to these white men, they're looking for a black coach, how would they take that? Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they said that to me, and I'm sitting here, but when I'm going, oh, my. They just said to me, you're not being considered. We're looking for a Latino or Mexican. I mean, straight up, with, with, without battering their eyes, I'm sitting there going, do they even realize the climate that we're living in now? And I just said, okay, guys, thank you very much. That's all
7: I said. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, this is the, the – uh, to be honest, Brian, this is the history of MLS. I mean, yeah. um, when the league yeah. first started 25, 26 years ago, mm-hmm. Lincoln went to Sunil Gulati and said, hey, he's interested in coaching in MLS, and Sunil Gulati laughed at him. So, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. ever since then, we probably had maybe – Three or four black coaches. Three, yeah. We've never had any African American coaches. You can't. You can't consider Robin Fraser. He's Jamaican. Thierry Henry. He's from France. But African American cool the coaches, cool we've never had any full time, cool not interim. Yeah. So, cool and you
3: even think about Kobe Jones, who was an interim coach, and he didn't even get an opportunity. When you think of the, the player, former national team player pipeline, it's not black players. Someone with the, the legacy of Kobe Jones couldn't even get a job?
1: Right. 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 Ezra, was, Ezra has won a couple of um, championships himself. Ezra Hendrickson. Yeah. yeah. Right. Assistant as coach. As assistant. Assistant. As assistant. assistant. As assistant. Yeah.
3: He's from my right. island, St. Vincent. Right. Assistant, right. yeah. And,
6: and that's the thing. I think, like you said, Brian, I think the, the biggest thing is that these, uh, you know, GMs and agents and, you know, they're not even considering African-American no. guys mm-hmm. for no. these jobs. You know, they'll, they'll give them, a, you know, a Seattle 2. Or uh, you know Atlanta, whatever that is, you know, they'll have mm-hmm. no problem. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. looking at them in those regards. But uh, you know, when like you said, when they're talking about a first team job, um, there's not there's not a guy that uh, you know really comes to mind that you can say, ah, you know, he has a, he has a really legit shot at uh, you know being considered.
2: Okay, just-
1: yes. okay, I- here's oh. a quick here's a quick tidbit for you guys. Yeah. In 2013. I was voted by all the coaches in the league, in the NASL, Coach of the Year. I saw that, too. Right? 2013, Coach of the Year. Guess who I played in the final? The New York Cosmos. Guess who was the coach? Anybody know? Portland coach.
7: Who's that? Portland coach Coach right now.
1: now. Yeah. My boy, Gio. Gio. Gio, Gio. Right, right, Gio. Gio. Right. Gio, yeah. Gio got a head coaching job. (laughs) I didn't even get to interview for an assistant. Wow. (laughs) Yep. You know what I got? I sent my I sent my resume to Colorado because Philip knows that, my family and everybody is there in Colorado. I send my resume there, and I get nothing back. Not even the email back. Thank you for your email. Nothing, right? Hmm. And then I heard Pablo got the job. I'm like, well, good for Pablo because I know Pablo. Mm-hmm. Can you at least give me an interview? No, no interview. So this is this is the irony of life, man. All of a sudden. Two years ago, in Atlanta, the final, Portland is there playing against Atlanta. Giovanni Savarelli playing against Atlanta, the city I I coached in. And he is a head coach in the MLS Cup. And I'm going, all I needed was an interview. That's all I wanted. I never got it. I never made a a stink about it. But what I'm saying to you is that, why is it? (laughs) This is how I see it. It's a race that has already started. Mm -hmm. When the race started, we all started at the same time. However, the black coaches were 40 yards back. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you're getting equal opportunity. You're starting at the same time. No, we're starting at the same time, but we're starting 40 yards back, man. Mm -hmm. So without even giving us an interview, without even looking at us, and you're saying, oh yeah, they they have equal opportunity. No, they don't. I played in Dallas for five years. (laughs) I played in Dallas for five years. I coached for five years. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have gotten the Humanitarian of the Year award when I left because they're only <laughs> looking for bad guys. Maybe that's what it was. And I yeah. never, I played in Dallas. I behaved myself. I assisted, I was assisted, <laughs> never got an opportunity.
8: Well, you know what's interesting? Was it's interesting. some unfortunate.
1: When I was at, at,
4: at Dallas playing. If you were it's, a bad guy, we would have all heard about it, Brian. Yeah, we would have known. Like, we definitely would have to. Definitely. We man.
8: It's really unfortunate because when they initially put out the head coach or, you know, the people that they were considering for this Atlanta United position, um, when I first saw the list, they only had one Latino on the list. And it was actually the guys from the Black Players um, Coalition that pointed it Delicious. out that there that that there was like a lack of diversity, um, and there were no black coaches. There were no you know like just people of color on that list. And MLS decided to <laughs> repost a mm-hmm. statement stating that it's like they were called out to me. I'm like that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing that you need um, you know players to tell you things that you should already know or that if you're claiming you know, that you're all about change and about embracing diversity, that shouldn't even be something that should be told to you. It should be saying, okay, you know what? There's a position for a head coaching job. Let's look at, you know, let's look at the the candidates. Let's yeah. look at some candidates that we've never even looked at. You know, let's consider, you know, our options. And to me, like I said, when they asked me, when the players asked me, I said, Brian. And they were like, Brian, I it's Yep. And they're like, why? I'm like, it's Atlanta. One is Atlanta United. He already has a history. We know who this man is. And we're talking about the culture of, of mm-hmm. the city of Atlanta. Like, right. it, it only makes sense. And right. they're like, man, we were thinking the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, so bring it up. You know, right. make, that, make that suggestion. Right. Bring it up. And, let's, but let's keep we really forward. have to
3: talk about mm-hmm. the lack of Blacks and people of color and decision-making positions. Oh. The fact that there <laughs> are zero majority owners, there are zero <laughs> CEOs and, and, and presidents. Right. And then think about yeah. this: when I had the conversation with the MLS and MLS Academy, it came out oh. that the two the two percent that they have for general managers is counting Ali Curtis twice.
6: Yeah,
2: In I'm counting him twice. <laughs> Right. Yeah. you're counting yeah. the man
3: two times uh-huh.
6: yeah.
2: it, it. Wow.
6: <laughs> well that that, that, Nicole, that that's what i worry about even with this uh you know black coalition is that predominantly isn't that mostly players i'm not sure i can't remember all the guys that are on mm-hmm. there but it's
3: a hundred of them player, as a, yeah.
6: you know you, you have to watch it you know what i mean because as much as uh, mls will talk about you know we want diversity we want change and things like that you will be blackballed. You know what I mean? At, at some point, and so I feel like with that, uh, you know, black coalition, it's almost. Would it be better to have some guys that aren't in the league anymore that don't really have anything to lose by speaking that's out? That's happening and, too. And <laughs> What's happening? Through? I think you know they have, I mean? well, that's where I feel like you can make a change. That's because, uh, happening. Okay, yeah. because that's where I, I agree with you. I unless you have somebody else outside the game that can yeah. really try to make some decisions that really has nothing to lose in uh, in yeah. doing that then I, I think you can hopefully have some people that can speak out honestly and not really care about the, the well, recommendations
1: yeah. that might didn't, come out. Didn't that 19-year-old kid from Manchester United speak out, Rashford? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He spoke out and he's yeah. still playing. Sterling. Sterling, yeah, Sterling. Sterling playing yeah, for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and, and why is it that England's listening? <laughs> They're the ones that started. Look at their the league. league.
8: Look at them players <laughs> in their league. It's, the ones that <laughs> it's the totally first. different.
1: It wasn't the MLS. It was England. Right. Why? Because of because of Floyd. That's when it started. That's when England said, "Enough. That's enough of that." And this guy raised thousands of dollars. Rasper, where the Queen honored him because of what he did. Yeah. And it's re- it's really sad, man. I'm telling you, it's when. When I look at this thing, I'm sitting there going, what, why is-? I, okay. Why did this hit this? people
3: though? Why did this hit people and not the other, you know, the other, That's the hundreds question. before? Right, right, I don't right, understand right. that. Why it really was it in- this case? I
8: think it has before, but.
4: <laughs> we'll what that guy did.
8: Yeah, I, like when you watch that, it, it's, it's hand just, in the pocket. It's I did not watch it. Back.
2: And,
8: and even when uh, I first watched the video, I'm like, man, this seems more personal because that smirk on his face, yes that that, that's like a personal situation so it made me even want to go back and look what was the history yeah but but that's why when i went back even and heard that like there was history prior to because i'm like it had to have it had to have been some type of you know history maybe something happened but it's just i mean it, it hit hard but i also feel like too that was like that was it that was it that that was the moment where everyone said okay you know what we're, we're just fed up we're fed up mm-hmm. we're extremely fed up
1: yeah Bo and let me ask you this Bo in hey, 96 do I you run? remember we had to go through some classes in the MLS because there was racial um, a racial name called to a player from New yeah. England yep do you know where that player was from I don't actually know
2: <laughs> Uh-oh. he
1: was from Denmark and Philip knows where the other player who was called the N word was from. Trinidad. Wow. David Nackett. Yeah. <laughs> David Nackett, yeah. Wow. Guys, yeah. guys, what policies,
3: what policies, what policies 90, were in place back there, guys? Did you guys know what he was Here's a question. Here's did, a question. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What they Sorry, did Ryan, was this
1: they fined him, right, a certain amount of money, and instead of him having to pay the money to the league, they used the fine money to have classes to all the teams.
2: Mm. <laughs> the same thing so that we can understand, now. Oh, we gotta
1: wow. get along with all different, that's what they did. And I called David and I go, yo, we're from Trinidad. Why am I doing things that we've been doing all, all my life? Because what do you mean? I go, I'm doing these classes to understand races. I grew up in a Trinidad and Tobago that's so much smaller. Now we have Indians, we have whites, we have blacks, we have Chinese, all I of mean, a sudden yeah. we live together. Yeah. And the first yeah. place I was called black was in America yeah mm-hmm. so you tell me what's yep. the problem here? What am I doing? And so that was that was in nineteen ninety six It was right. just okay, let's be nice was, yeah. right. and nothing came of it.
7: Oh, in two thousand and seven, I mean the MLs put together their so-called uh, Rooney rule that they mm-hmm. haven't necessarily mm-hmm. fulfilled in any way. Um, I think another example, Brian, kind of goes yeah. back to what you mentioned about the Latino coach that Atlanta is looking mm-hmm. for currently. Uh, About four years ago, Brad Friedel got the job at New England Revolution. Right. And all he had to do was fulfill the so-called Rooney Rule by contacting a coach at Boca Juniors in Argentina. He had no interest in coaching in MLS. They reached Mm. out to him. They got on the phone. Are you interested? No. That was it. That was their fulfillment of the Rooney Rule. Next Mm -hmm. day, Brad Friedel got the position. So, I mean, MLS, when it comes to their front office – they look at that as diversity. They always get high ratings from Tides, the um, the Institute and Ethics of says. Diversity yeah. in Sport. They get mm-hmm. their high ratings there, and they're good. They could care less about what the clubs do.
8: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. They and they're very yeah. um. I mean, it, it, from a player side, or at least like me being an agent, whenever I'm talking to, you know, guys from these clubs, a lot of times it's a question of like okay, you know, your players. And usually I only present players that are of color. And so I'm like, uh, this is who I have. You know, I have some of the Latin players because I know that's the main demographic that, you know, MLS wants most of the time. And half of these guys don't even understand. I'm like, if you're going to get these guys from South America, the problem coming here is the language barrier. But some of those guys don't even speak English.
2: Yeah. So
8: imagine having a, a team and even front office that barely has people that, you know, are from a different nationality. Right. And so I mean, it's, I, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy.
7: Yeah. I mean, three years ago, I represented a player, uh, Hernan Grana, and he was from Argentina and he played for Columbus Crew. Um, I remember having to go to Columbus and speak to him through a translator. And he had no interest in being in Columbus. I mean, if you've ever gone to Columbus, Mm -hmm. I know they're building a new stadium now, but it's in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) That's right. Cold. He had just recently uh, given birth to a a baby boy and his wife couldn't come up. And I mean, he was miserable. So he just decided to say, forget it. I'm not going to finish the season. I'm just going to go back home. And that's what he ended up doing. And I think he went to (laughs) FC Dallas later. But um, the way that Major League Soccer looks for their players, to me, it just doesn't really make any sense. And that was part of the reason why I didn't want too much more to do with dealing with MLS. I kind of dealt with the USL uh, players representing them, like Hugh and um, others. And, I mean, that, to me, seems to be a better fit. Yeah. You know? And
3: we're That's talking great. about the That's men's <laughs> side, but the National Women's Soccer League, their numbers oh are my horrendous. Oh, my gosh. Forget about just, it. Not they, they have, have never once. had a black head coach ever, and even when you're talking about on the men's side, <laughs> the black men who have received coaches um, coaching jobs have been under the umbrella that the other white coaches have received. So even when you're talking about Ezra, and we even started talking with Brian Reed, like they're friends with Steve Sampson or Ziggy or something like that. So they've been under that umbrella and have been just, their work is so good you can't ignore it, that they've been under that umbrella. But if you're not,
2: yikes, it's yeah. hard. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: But the National Women's Soccer League—they have a big problem on their hands. And I think they did a great job with their the visual and and the, and I'm glad they used the right for the right word. It, when I talked to them, they're like, "Yeah, it was very performative." And I was like, "Thank you for using that word." Because what's next? What are your action steps? And that was That's the, the correct. But, but they said that. Yeah. But I'm glad they said it. That they knew it was performative because it looked good. You had everyone with the Black Lives Matter shirts, staff, everybody, everyone as one team coming together. And it looked good, but what's next? What are we actually going to do to, to address exactly. the issues? You right. know, so we have yeah. problems here, guys, but we
2: can we can
8: a solutions. solutions. It's a lot
2: of problems. Here.
1: But, yeah, I we want to figure it out. I have a question for the coaches. I have a question for the coaches. Mm-hmm. How many of you coaches have a UFA UEFA A license?
3: Not a coach. <laughs> so I'll let you
2: guess. It. None?
1: I, I got to get oh, into it first. I think, I think I,
0: Isaac's the only one, Jacob, He's on. do you
1: I know, know why? I know, oh, know Does it? Do you know, do you know why? Oh, they. I don't know why I've been blocked from- He's you know, been
5: blocked, <laughs> <laughs> Really? I just- what? What
2: is, yeah, I why just had to <laughs> like, uh, yeah,
5: block
1: you've, you've been blocked, what do you
2: say? Yes. <laughs> sounds... So Justin-
1: so Just yes, signs to England, man. That's why. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just, why he has just, it. Justin- go, just, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead.
5: Well saying like, in terms of the courses, Mm-hmm. They're not very transparent in their guidelines, right? So they'll say, so I've been denied from the USSFB three times in a row. Three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every single time, right? As a college coach, coached ODP, coach mm-hmm. club for a number of years, right? Did all my uh, United Soccer Coaching diplomas. Of so course. I have that course, right? That's done. I've done all the extra clinics. Mm-hmm. So I applied the first time, got denied. Generic message. Applied the second time, denied, generic message. Now, I said, Justin, because Justin at the time, he, put, he compiled a list of college coaches, right, black, <laughs> coaching in all three, all four levels, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I kid you not, we have more on this call. Like, you have more than half on this call that represent college coaching. More than half. Mm-hmm. Representing all levels, right? So I said, Justin, okay, like, what can I do? He's like, all right, I'll call somebody from US soccer, right? So at the time, it's Charlie, I think his name is Charlie Noble.
2: Yeah, Charlie Noble. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah,
5: right. So Frank Deshaun, Frank Deshaun was like, yeah, I'll call you in, or I'll touch base with you in a week. Month goes by. Here, I'm gonna forward you to Charlie. Charlie's like, okay, two weeks, I'll call you. Charlie calls me with another uh, lady, she's, I think it's her name, Maine. I don't know her last name, but she's on the call. So they're looking at my profile. They're like, well, um, your profile looks good. You should get into the course. I said, okay, well, what are the standards, right? Or what am I missing specifically? Or what do I need to do to ensure that my profile is appealing enough to be accepted, right? You're saying that I don't meet the requirements, but what are the, those specific requirements? So there's no detail in that, right? So they're like, "Yeah, your profile looks good. Just make sure you know everything's verified. It's already been verified three times." <laughs> I apply. What? Same generic message, and I said, "You know what? I'm not even going to bother apply for the next one. I'm going to find other solutions." So. Been to, been to Toronto, did a, like a coaching study for two or three days. Been to Tr- Trinidad looking at players, shadowing coaches. Been to Spain twice, you know, getting a full rundown of the Barcelona philosophy. Been to Portugal, you know. I found that exploring those avenues, I've learned more in like two days with a coach who is speaking a different language. I have in my,
1: my US soccer coaching license. Speaking a different I, language with the translator. I got, I got two questions for you. Two questions. Would you like to get your B license? Absolutely. I could make that happen. Please. One yeah, phone please. call. Please. One phone call. Please. Mike Haas. One phone call. That's Whatever it costs. You, what you, you ask him for money? <laughs> Mike Haas. is a okay that's the first thing the second thing I'm being serious yeah any of you guys if I can set it up for you guys to take the UEFA A or B license what are you doing yes okay Alvin Corneal is a UEFA certified A and B license coach professor he gets to certified players all around the world hmm he was my coach in Trinidad when I grew up, his son, Anton Corneal, is also certified by FIFA to do those courses and to teach it. You know what Alvin said to me? Get the black coaches together. Can we do this? You know. Do you hear what I'm we saying? We can
3: organize this fast. We can get this going says, quickly.
1: No, 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 here's, a, here's the issue. He's in Trinidad. There's a there's a um, travel ban. Right. Mm-hmm, so he's yeah. thinking right when the quote unquote MLS, if it happens, season ends, and the club and the college and all that stuff. And right before December, that will be the window where he could go somewhere warm and teach it. All he mm. needs is a facility and a classroom, and he would come and do it. And the thing about it, he's going to tell us what the cost is $10,000 if you go to Europe to do it $10,000. Right. And right. that doesn't include the flights.
7: Right.
1: But he's willing to put it on for us as a favor to the black coaches.
7: So it, can wonderful. he come to the U.S. if we oh, got the facility oh, he's for he's him in to Orlando? Canada.
1: To the okay. U.S., to Orlando, to yeah. California, to uh, Salt Lake, to Kansas City, anywhere oh, wonderful. That would be Then amazing. you could do it. Oh, yeah, Everyone's let's do this. to do that. And, and I told him, I said, you know what? I don't have a job right now, I'm Alvin, but that would be much, much more worth a job to me yes. if I could do yes. that to help black coaches like that. Mm-hmm. Now yes. when they talk about Okay, who are we looking at? And all of a sudden they say, oh, we're looking at Frank Boy. He has a UA for A. Well, Philip Jawa has an A. Brian Haynes has an A. What's the problem? Yes, we have all. And that's the thing. They, they always say that, you know, they have some of them are not. we all qualified. Mm-hmm. we all qualified. And then all of a sudden we have a coach who, should, who is more than able to do a B license and is taking this long. Well, I call Mike Hoss and go, listen, I, I have this one. I have Julius James wants to take it. I have this mm-hmm. one. And he'll just say to me, get me 10 and I'll get them in. Because in the end, they want players and coaches who love the game to coach the game. But we haven't. We Eddie Johnson, who lived with me for five years, when he was 17, lived in my house. He used to say this to me all the time. And I'm like, shut up. He would go, A and Z. Close mouths, don't get fed, man. You got to open your
2: mouth.
1: That's <laughs> And he was right. Yeah. And so guess what? Yeah. A couple of years after, now I'm opening my mouth a little bit. And I knew, I know that if I could, you know, <laughs> there was a guy walking the beach throwing starfishes into the ocean. Have ever heard that story before? And the guy goes, you know, all of them are going to survive. He goes, one night, And as far as I'm concerned, if I could have one other black coach, I'm happy. And so with me, I've coached all these years, and I want to go on further. And it's sad. Now I don't even want to be a head coach. I want to be a U18, U24. That's the group I want to affect. And if a coach wants an assistant coach, he gets the best one because I've seen what assistant coaches do.
3: Do you want a job with the MLS Academy? Did you want to get in with the MLS Academy? Or are you trying to do your own thing?
1: Well... MLS Academy. You went Inter. Um, uh, inter I was Miami, at right? I was at I was at Houston, mm-hmm. and I never coached in Dallas. But um, I was at both those. And um, Houston, I didn't like because I had a, a director that thought that you know he made the game of soccer and it was going to be his way or no other way. And I said, okay, no problem. Having yourself, and I'm leaving. And I left. But in Inter, um, Jason Christ created the, uh, the curriculum. And nobody wanted to follow it. I was the only coach who was following it. And <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, listen, give, give me, I can call Jason right now and put him on the call, man. I'll, he'll tell you. And and I said, you know what, Jason? He goes, Ainsley, look, when I left here to go to Salt Lake to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, they, they went and hired two people just in case he didn't come back. What kind of business is that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I said, I've never, never bad-mouthed the – the Inter Miami. But God has a way of not loving ugly, man. They lost five games in a row now. Mm-hmm. They lost five. The USL team, they lost two, out of two. And I'm going, I wasn't there. I didn't have anything to do with it. But for some reason, you, you know, isn't that Whoopi that said it? Until you do right by me, nothing you do with prospect. <laughs> yeah. The color purple. <laughs> <laughs> do right for the black man you'll prosper but they didn't and it's true i looked at my resume i looked at all the other coaches you know what had the second best resume there it was me jason then me and Jason. you know what we have to do a team.
3: better job of is highlighting and promoting our our coaches through our network and making sure that it's getting out because we have so many talented coaches who are out there that once we start having the conversations, um, things start changing in the right direction. But I think a lot of times there's an implicit bias that our coaches can't coach, that we don't have people who are getting their license, that we don't have people who have run organizations before. But it's like, yes, we do. We have the quality. We have the value. value. We have a long list of people who will. It's in your benefits to bring them in. Diversity is the greatest thing you can ever imagine. If you have a whole bunch of people who think the same way, that's not what you want. You Mm -hmm. want diversity in thought. And right now, the MLS will fail until you bring in some mm-hmm. people who think a little bit differently. In decision-making roles, it's only going to help this league. And yeah. especially when we're thinking of someone like you, Haines and some different coaches that we have out there, those opportunities need to start coming this way. But as an association and as a group, we have to do a better job of hyping up our own group, making sure that that whole micro, and we call it micro-devaluation, where we have people within our group who are like, no, it's not good enough, no, it's not good this- so, and there's no other race that does that, right? There's almost mm-hmm. like there's people who are overconfident with their limited cap- cap- capabilities. And we have people who are so talented are doing amazing things who won't puff their chest out and say, hey, this is my body of work. Give me a shot. So we have to do a better job of making sure that we're highlighted and talking about all our top coaches so that when the time comes for our people to get a job, no one's surprised because we put it out there. We have a great opportunity. Great opportunity.
0: Coach Phillip, I wanted to give you a sec to, you know, maybe share your experiences with um, challenges youth face. I know you were going to say something a little while ago and someone cut you off. But I wanted to give you a second to get back to that.
4: Yeah, well, um, I just wanted to say, ML, you know, like sometimes they're looking at their fan base, you know, and um, I think we need some some more of us to just go and support game, just going out and watching and showing a little bit of a presence, right? And then so I like if I United game more than half of the fans are Spanish right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking that if I was um, a Spanish fan paying all this money and supporting the team I want to see my own you know what I mean so the MLS is kind of catering to that and I'm not saying they're right or wrong but um, I think they're also looking at that fan base and looking at that, you know, that money. Atlanta, they're also looking at the fan base. They, they shouldn't have come out and said, oh, no, we're looking for a Latin coach. They could have yeah. had that. They should have just said, oh, come for the interview, but they already know what, who they're going to hire. Exactly.
1: There's nothing wrong with that.
4: You know what I mean? And so, and that happened a lot. And uh, I've known Brian for a long time. I know. Uh, what kind of person he is? Um, where he was knows the game, coach. He's um, gone. He's had success, and then so you deserve that. you, know? you deserve. It. Um, but less looking at the bottom line, I guarantee you, if, there, if there a few more of us going to the game, supporting, um, spending the last dollar, they buying drinks parking all of that True. they're not going to chop off that just to please us to say okay well we need to get a couple of black people in no they're not going to do that right. you know so until we show that and then andrew um you've done you've done well i mean i used to coach you at Bullers. Um i was one of the coaches at Bullis, and i've seen what you've done and um you know like uh for the coaches license um, you know, I, I wrote a letter for Matt. That's how he got his. You know that. Yeah, that's how you do it, man. A letter in order for Matt to to get his license. And um, you know, you just um I will I'll do something like that too. I'll write a letter, of course. I appreciate and it. what um, happened next week, man. Yeah.
1: Not it'll,
5: not it'll be my, my, my it first is. recommendation on the nah
1: nah nah. <laughs> forget
4: about <laughs> my recommendation we're going past all that. Yeah, it was great to the, the, the federation. Yeah. I don't know. If, um, I mean, Brian and I. Um, I mean, we just bring a different background, I guess. I'm not like, <laughs> a tote my own horn or anything like that. But like sometimes, you know, pioneers. You a background yeah. she can help you,
5: right? It, it's very, it's very simple. Pioneers. That's oh, that's yeah. the name yeah. for it, right?
6: It, it's totally true. I, I think you know. I was. Fortunate enough to, to actually coach the licensing, uh, you know, here in uh, with U.S. Soccer, and and uh, it, it's it, it's not easy to to get in. But like Brian said, and Philip said, you know, all it is is a, is a phone call. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times I, I can't tell you how many people, uh, you know, I've made phone calls for that have either gotten the licenses or even failed their licenses and had an opportunity to do it again, Correct, yeah. uh, you know, just because of, uh, you know, a phone call. It's all political, you know, in a lot of yeah. ways. And uh, like I said, you just said it, Andrew, um, you can get the same type of experiences, if not better experiences outside of U.S. Yeah. soccer, you mm-hmm. know, than getting your licenses. I mean, I went through the whole licensing courses. And I'll tell you right now, like you said, <laughs> my time over in, uh, you know, with River Plate in, in Argentina for two weeks, uh, you know, I learned the light years more than, uh, than I ever did in a, in, a, in a U.S. soccer licensing that I was just trying not to fail, let alone learn, you know. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, like you said, I think uh, having these contacts and having people, uh, you know, reach out for you, uh, you know, can definitely help.
2: Yeah,
0: and I definitely agree with the unity aspect that Coach Phillip was saying. I feel like a lot of times you look at the attendance in the stadium, there's really not enough of our culture in the stands, our culture attending the games – I feel like that also speaks to the demographics where owners, as Coach Phillip is saying, is tending to steer towards the demographics in the city. Like even here in Charlotte, it's a big Spanish population. And I feel like they already signed the Spanish players. at their first signing. They're getting ready to sign more Spanish players because of the community. But if we were to come out with strong numbers and support, maybe they will start listening to us more because our dollars will start matter, mattering some more. So what, is, what needs to change systematically to give us more chances as coaches and as players too? Because I also feel as players, we still don't get a lot of opportunities even in the MLS or even as, co- as a players, you know, who retire and want opportunities to become coaches. We still have to take a five to maybe 10-year break and a gap to go around the system just to get an opportunity. So what needs to change?
7: Well, I mean, I would say in terms of players, there are a lot of black players in USL and MLS. Um, I think when I ran the numbers, I think it was around 33 to about 40%. You add the Latino players to it. Black and Latino players are are actually the majority in uh, Major League Soccer compared to um, the white players. Um, So I would say we have to kind of look at it more in the sense of mentorship, you know? So we know we have uh, Robin Frazier there. We know we have Terry Henry. Are these guys just figureheads, especially Terry Henry seeing, you know, he's a great player Um, or these guys coaches who can actually help along the black player. Who's going to retire soon from major league soccer and help him get an opportunity. Very similar to um, the coach before, uh, ben Olsen, actually. So Ben Olsen has been at DC United for <laughs> how many years, Andrew? Maybe 10, Philip, yeah. 10, yeah. 12 <laughs> years. And he was an assistant <laughs> coach before he took the head coaching role. Seeing that Ben is a mainstay in DC, people knowing people loved him as a player, at least he had the coach before who mentored him along. That's what I think, has to happen. So as soon as Ben mm-hmm. retired from MLS, he became an assistant, and now he's a head coach. And I think Ben is probably five years older than me, about 43 And he's been there 10 years. So he's been a coach since 33.
3: You know what's interesting with what you just said, Justin? So,
7: I mean, it just doesn't make any sense.
3: What's interesting with what what you just said is that it looks like we (laughs) may even have to just go across color line, right? Because when I think about it, it was just going through my head as you were talking. The people who have had assistant coaching positions, their mentorship was under a white coach. Because that's all there's ever been. So a lot of the, the, the challenges that we have to do, and, and many of the white coaches are ready for that. I know the conversation that we had with the MLS Academy was creating an executive director and mentorship program for the current players who are playing right now so that at, they have a pathway into uh, front office positions, general uh, manager positions, and potentially head coaching positions as they're still playing, that they're being basically groomed for what's next. So I know there's a conversation that's happening and they're putting these things in place. I think the part, what we have to do as leaders is to make sure that they're following through and executing on these ideas. Because again, if we're looking to just Robin and Thierry to do all this work, it's not going to happen. So we have to really trust some of these allies who recognize that there's a problem and it's a human problem. It's not just a black and white problem and say, hey, we all know that this is an issue. You need to step up and, and mentor some of these young black players that are coming up. These young black coaches who are coming up. You got to say yes to mentoring them. And a lot of them will.
1: I don't think it's Robin and Terry. I think it's Ali. I think it's Dennis. Those are the guys. Those are two guys that needs to be able to say, okay, so Armus is at least in New York. Armis is from Puerto Rico. I don't know if everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, Puerto, he's Puerto Rican. Okay. And he's, a, he's been a head coach for more, two or three years now, right? And the thing about it is this. Um, I believe isn't, isn't, isn't um, Zach Thornton in, in D.C.? Yep, Thornton yep. in D.C. Mm-hmm. Right?
6: P, P.A.'s in, in New England.
1: Right. Yep. So the thing about it is that at some stage, we, we, like you said, we're going to have to have general managers who are in charge, who are going to say, look, these are the guys we want. Ali Curtis called me and said, Brian, have you looked at my team? And I go, we you mean, Toronto? He goes, yeah. He goes, I go, yeah. He goes, we're pretty dark, aren't we? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I don't have any darkies on the bench. That's what he said to me as, as far as coaches are concerned. And he said, I'm not going to look to bring six coaches in. but He I'm has gonna zero. Have to start, yeah, zero. Yeah,
3: zero. He has zero. 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 Did that yeah, and,
1: none. And he said to me, he goes, I'm going to have to change it. I might not be able to change it all yeah. at once, but I'm going to do that. And he He's goes, I right. want to give it to people who know how to coach, and most importantly, good people. Yeah. And I know why you said that because I was in Dallas when I saw some things happen, and I go, Oh my goodness! Not only are you assistant coach, but you're from the same country, and you're stabbing each other in the back. How, how does that happen? I mean, I was I was in Dallas, and Chris Bondy was there when it happened too, and I'm going, Oh my goodness. One thing that happened when I was in Dallas, Eddie had an agent who called me to tell me to tell Eddie that he's going to be traded to Kansas City. I go, yo, you're his agent. Why don't you tell him? Wow. Yeah, would he trust you? And I'm, I'm going, no, I, I, I'm not doing that.
2: Your job. That's not my job. Oh. I'm an assistant
1: right. coach. Right. I said, right now I'm going to convention, and I'm going to go represent Dallas, and this is going to be the last time. He goes, last time? Go, yeah, I'm leaving Dallas. I've seen too many knives pass. there. I'm just in between looking at people stabbing the back. I gotta go. I gotta get out of there. And the person that gave me my job, he was stabbed in his back. Mike Jeffries. Mm-hmm. By who? His assistant coach. I was there. Then when he got oh. the job, the assistant coach got the job, his, what do I say, countryman, the same person that went from the same country wasn't playing because he was hurt. And as soon as Mike lost his job, that person, who was a player on our team, got up off the bench. He had supposedly concrete in his joints, got up and did the warm-up and became the assistant coach. I was the second assistant. Colin was the first assistant. He got the job, and he promoted Steve Morrow above me, who was playing, to be the assistant coach. All of a sudden, Steve Morrow realized, I don't have my for B license. I don't have a license. So he went back to to Ireland. This is like a freaking movie, man. And I, I said, okay, here's my chance. The guy left. I'm definitely gonna have a chance. No, no, Colin Clark went and hired John Trask as his assistant above me again. And I was the second assistant. Colin was the first. So he did a player, then he did a coach. And then all of a sudden, Steve Morris shows up. He fires John Trask and puts him back ahead of me again. And I said, that's enough. <laughs> this is yeah, enough
2: that's abuse. But this
1: really happened, man. So <laughs> I'm like, "Is this? Re- did that really happen? That shit happened, man. Brian,
6: my question is, well, Zach Thornton is not getting DC United if no. anything ever happened. You know, Correct. Clint PA mm-hmm. is not getting New England when you know, something mm-hmm. happens with Bruce Arena. So I think the question is, how do we figure out a way, you know, so that these black coaches could actually get a legitimate opportunity? Because I, I was there when all that happened, uh, you know, in Dallas and, uh, you, know, in the league, too. you know, and we, we saw it all and it was, it's incredible, but I feel like that <laughs> trend hasn't changed. You know what I mean? No. Uh, you know, that's where I just feel like, I don't know. I, and I, I'm asking the question because I just don't know. I don't know how we change this narrative. You know, because
0: uh, maybe like the MLS Black Players Coalition can look into. I know that you were mentioning before how the Black Players Coalition looked into the Miami roster and you told know, them they didn't have enough uh, color people on the roster. We, we need coalitions to back us up and be on top of every single organization and give coaches opportunities. Like something's got to change. This this, this can't keep going down for decades and decades when it's been going on for decades previously before. And, and- now it's time to change.
6: And then that's where I, I think you're right, Hugh. I, and I just worry that this black coalition, how much impact are they gonna be able to make? You know what I mean? Like, is this just, okay, this is the time, let's, uh, let's let them have their voice. Yeah. Um, right. we're, we're a not year happy. from
7: now, it <laughs> dissolves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. You know what
6: I mean, like that's where I almost, <laughs> <of> where they'll <laughs> give us a little nibble here, they'll give us a little nibble there, you know, but are they really going to, uh, you know, yeah, have yeah, change, substance. you know? Um, you know, and I guess the question is too, is, if we had to sit here and talk about black coaches right now, name, give us five black coaches right now that you think should be in MLS right now as head coaches.
3: Well, I'm going to give you an NW, NWSL coach. Kadani McAlpin should be that Angels FC yes. first
8: head coach. Kadani McAlpin. Listen, I, 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 I agree um, that. Macau, I, I, that well, but I, I agree with that.
2: Yeah,
8: for sure. 100%, but I'll tell you, that's not even going to happen mainly because Amanda <laughs> yeah yeah I mean let's be real like as soon as it as soon as the announcement happened I texted we also, and yep. I was like I was like if I got to represent you and bring you in I'll do that because I happen to know all the black owners a part of that LA group and the first thing we were already talking about whether it's players I represent coaches etc but donnie's like I know but then we see Amanda's a part of that. Yeah, and, and you too, know, it's 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 years from now. It, I mean, it's very political. You know, it's very political. It's it's just, I don't know, I don't Plus know. I, I,
7: I mean, I mean, let let's be honest. At USC, I'm sure Kadani's doing very well. You know, <laughs> USC's a very nice program. Yeah, it has a big So if he's making 150,000, dollars right. Why yeah. would he he's go not- to NWSL? He's doing very well. I mean, (laughs) yeah,
8: that's true. That's true.
3: Mm -hmm. true. (laughs) But he is someone that
8: I see coaching a national team one day. So I agree, agree, Nicole, 100%. 100%. -hmm. I mean, there's a few. There are a few. And I will say this. It's interesting that, you know, obviously you guys are talking about some of the experiences that you have experienced. And I've spoken to women, um, you know, some female coaches, whether that's on a college level or professional level um even of different rates that are going through similar situations and it made me step back and think like man you know i can't even imagine what you guys deal with but then to even hear females saying what they deal with and we're talking about like white females mm-hmm. and a white female is dealing with that because whether she's the assistant coach to um a, a, a white male who's the head coach and you know it's like it, a, a lot of people getting stabbed in the back and I'm like oh I mean I, I never really said like mm-hmm. it doesn't happen in the Caucasian community because yes it does and obviously like Brian what you said about like Mike sure. you know Mike Jeffries or, so it happens but it's like this is crazy and it happened in the agent world like I have agents that I went into agencies to interview with to be just a junior agent <laughs> and then they looked and was like how the hell did she become an agent <laughs> And how does she get some of the better players that we can't even, you know, have a conversation with? And I'm telling them, like, hey, get used to me. And all the people you see of color <laughs> who, are, who are amazing that you guys don't want to really shine talent on, guess what? I, I, could, I could be nice and work with you guys, and I want to move my players from USL to MLS, but if that's not going to happen, then I'm going to move them to Europe. And I get treated even better by the, by the European clubs and, and agents and, you know, people there. But I prefer to keep them here in America, where they're from, so that we can focus more on, you know, that, that homegrown talent. Because that's the whole point. If I'm MLS, that's what I, I should be focusing on is how to develop the stars from here. That's what England does. That's what, you know, Germany, Germany and all those other places do. So it's it's the whole system just needs a serious change and it's going to take some time, but it's things like this, you know, it's it's calls like this, where we're all coming together. And it's something that we have to do consistently and figure out, you know, how can we develop a better system and, you know, make changes.
6: Well, I'll be honest, that's half the reason I went into college coaching. You know, when I retired from, uh, you know, Kansas City, uh, you know, I knew for a fact there was no chance that they were gonna hire me <laughs> <laughs> at any capacity, uh, you, you know,
7: there. <laughs> is you know, going nowhere. <laughs> it was I didn't even think yep. about, He's gonna die know.
6: there. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you know, and so I, I just went straight, uh, you know, into the college route, just because I felt like you know that's uh, you know a place where uh, you know let's be honest, the percentage of kids that we're talking about, black kids that are going to be pros, is a small amount, you know, mm-hmm. but the percentage of black kids that are going to go to college you know, that, that's a pretty large amount. And, uh, you know, that's where I feel like, uh, you know, even though there's a small number of us at the Division One level as head coaches, uh, you know, I still feel like that's one area, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, we can try to make, uh, you know, some inroads and things like that. And trying to get some of these Black assistant coaches now and try to mentor them, like, I can't tell you how happy I was about Trevor, uh, you know, getting... Uh, uh, yes. and I, you know what I mean? Amazing, like, amazing. I, I've been working with, I mean, talking to Trevor, you know, for years and seeing him get passed over and to see him fight finally, you know, get a job, you know, I think that's, that's where I feel like, at least for me, you know what I mean? I feel like that's where, you know, we can, uh, you know, really make, uh, you know, some inroads and even there it's hard. But, uh, you know, I do think universities now are open to interviewing and actually taking black coaches seriously. Uh, you know, right now, because the one thing that they do want is diversity on their campuses. So mm-hmm. I do think that's uh, you know one area that uh, you know we can at least help. But, uh, like I said, I, I agree. I think the whole system needs an overhaul. I just <laughs> wish I knew how to...
3: serious. How to
8: I mean, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I couldn't agree more on on the college level. I mean, it's it's been great. The 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 coaches on that level they've been so um, supportive. I mean, because I had to start reaching out to my people first because I knew that was. It's like, you know, you've got to reach out to all the black coaches. And there's only but so many, at least, like, on a D1 level, you know, D2, D3. And um, then... 11 for the men, 4 for the women. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm probably, like, I think I'm about... six now for the men. Bo, I reached out to you, but I didn't hear back to you. Um, <laughs> Philip, I was coming for you next, but <laughs> I said, once you said, hey, we were going to be in it, I said, oh, this is perfect because the two guys that were right here, are right here, so this is amazing. Andrew, Andrew was actually one of the first people, so he was um super of. I had to really, like, track down Kadani like I mean yeah, it, it, it took he's like tough. two months yeah. to get Kadani yeah so, Kadani kadani you know, got yeah he takes a little bit <laughs> yes it but took like, about two months to get to him <laughs> um a little bit to get the shocker but shocker made the time Kadani made the time and so um go and fill with you guys next you know I'm up I'm there I'm
1: there
8: Brian <laughs> you I'm I'm just I'm just I'm
1: just honored, you know, I'm
8: I'm honored, but, you know, let, let's talk.
1: Here's my list. You ready for my list? Five? Yeah, let's get Yeah, five. yeah, I just wanted five. That's <laughs> it. There we go. Here's my, here's my list. Let's, let's see. These are guys who should have head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. Ezra. Yes. Brown. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: Brown. Brown was an assistant with Jason in, in um, Salt Lake. That's very, a very, very, very good coach, good by the yeah. way. And he's been an assistant coach in New York now for I don't know how many years.
6: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: here's another one, Carlos Yamosa. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Carlos. He's yeah, been an assistant in New York. Now he's been assistant there. Give the guy some love. Yeah. Here's the, here. The, these are the question mark people. My name's not even there. I don't care about being a head coach. I want to be an assistant coach to any good coach. I would love to be an assistant. Here's my these are my question mark people. Where are they and why aren't they the ones saying? These guys deserve a chance. Des Armstrong, national team player, great great person, done so much in the soccer community. Des Armstrong. Where is he? Tony Center
2: mm. Kobe
1: Jones. Eddie Pope. These are guys that played for years on the national team. For years. Back-to-back World Cups and all that. I mean... Demarcus Beasley should have a, a, a say in all this.
3: They talk about these are it. Guys,
1: he- but these are guys who've all been involved, and these are the guys who need to be out front saying,
3: and, Gucci this and one's got
1: to be in. A good one. These guys got to be in. Gucci. And I, I watch them. They have no problem putting these people in the Hall of Fame. But all of a sudden, <laughs> people coming out the Hall of Fame saying, hey, what about what about this guy? What about that guy? And I think that's those are the people that need to... Sparehead the whole thing, like somebody said earlier, it's, it, we gotta be careful for the guys who are playing to be blacklisted. I get all that. But um, you gotta break some, you know, crack some
7: eggs if you want to make some inroads. gotta make, make some inroads. inroads. Right. I mean, yes. make some inroads. Right. Somewhere, somewhere, at some point. when you
8: mentioned and um, and you Eddie, Eddie. Eddie's on the agent side
3: now.
5: <laughs> yeah, he's on the yeah, agent Actigan. side.
3: Octagon, he's with Octagon. <laughs> well, actually, he's just a <laughs> face. They just use
1: Kobe. him as a face to
8: yeah, Corey they just use them as the face okay, on, Oh, Corey Gibbs <laughs> is know? doing a great job, too, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, what, what, why did Chris Bondi decide that he don't want to be a coach? Oh, he went to college, up
6: okay,
3: right. Well, I, I think a
1: college guy. we
6: all look at it like that, Brian. Yeah. Like, like I, I said, I, I agree. I mean, we know, like, if C.J. Brown is, yeah. um, you know, Tony Sanna, whoever, you know, mm-hmm. can't get jobs, and they played, you know, at the highest yeah. level in this country. Well, I it, yeah. How? You know what I mean? Like and at, at college, at least you'll get an opportunity, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to, to coach and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, be able to make an impact. Because I agree and with all those names. I agree with all those guys should be guys that should be, uh, you know, up next, uh, you know, for these jobs. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I don't know. When you- when
3: you think of some of their playing, like just their like, Demarcus Beasley played everywhere. And he played the least, we've, we've watched that boy play since he was 14 or 15. Right. He just retired yeah. yesterday. The guy has just such a, 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 a body of work on the players' end that you would think that he's someone that they would have taken and groomed. He's That's played right. under almost every single national team head coach. He's played across different different countries, different places. He's been able to fit in well. He's a likable personality. He knows the game. That's a guy you want. Yeah. And Gauthier well, was the same thing. He's he was captain. one of the best players. Yeah, all over the place. A business owner. These are guys. that's like, why aren't they jumping at some of these guys? And we have to start asking those questions.
6: Well, and I agree with you, Nicole. I think the whole grooming process is one that I don't know how much these kids, while they're playing. DeMarcus B is perfect example. While he's playing. Did anybody get in his ear and just say, hey, no, why don't no. you start your coaching licenses? Why don't you start networking on the coaching side? For me, my head coach, Bob Gansler, from day one, when I got there with him, he and it's a white guy, you know, yes, knew that I yes. was kind of a sponge with soccer. I love soccer this yes. time. And he told me, hey, you need to start getting your licenses right now. You know what I mean? You need to start doing all these little things while I was still playing, you know? So when I was done, it was all right. What do you want to do? How do you want to coach? Where do you want to coach type of thing? That's all, all of a sudden, I'm in with the youth national teams, you know, I'm in with U S soccer. I'm in, you know, into the college game and it's all because a white man, you know, put his arm around me and said, Hey, you know, these are some of the, the ways that
4: uh, you know, you can start to get to the game early on. You know? oh, yeah. oh, it's
3: oh, going to look like that. Oh.
2: Yeah.
4: That was a great point because I, I wanted to bring that out. Um, and, and I know like, when we're playing and we're all in it and we're doing well, Right, the time to act is when you're playing and hot, and then you just try to get a license mm-hmm. on off season or something like that, right? And totally. if you don't, you don't start doing that, and then you wait until after the fact, then you'll kick kind of the ball, you know. Mm-hmm. And then so um, and that was a great point. That's I wanted to bring that out, but you nah, I'll be honest. I got my A
6: license. I got pushed through. I'll tell you right now. I don't know if I was a good coach or not, but the well, fact you that you I won an MLS championship, you know, yeah. I, I got pushed through. You know what I mean? Uh, just like everyone else, right. and that's how it should be. You know, and these yeah, guys, just like everyone else, absolutely. But uh, they're not – I don't know if anybody's really fostering or mentoring them to, to well, do Well,
3: you know what they said when I talked to him about that? DeMarcus said that he was so focused on his career. He he wouldn't even take interviews. So he said he, he wouldn't even do <laughs> press and media. He was just so focused on playing. And he was going to – You know, he was, he was older at the time. He right. was just fixated on just getting on the field and being able to perform. So he just had that tunnel vision. So he wasn't thinking about that. He's thinking about ownership now. But right. Wasn't
0: right. Which it wasn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for us in the younger generation, those who are playing right now, those who are gonna be up and coming, those in college right now and academy levels as well, how should we be using our voices and our platforms to make a make a change? From your, your guys' perspective? How should we be continuously use our voice and our platforms to make a difference?
3: I think it comes down to a power dynamic, right? And I think right now with the connections that you have you need to be putting your team around you so that when your career's done, you're in a position where your voice matters. And I think a lot of times people are thinking, what can I do right now that's tangible? No, you need to be building what's going to happen that's going to create something that's sustainable in the future. A lot of people are just about what's going to happen today, and that's important. But I'm thinking about what's going to happen that's going to change the landscape for the rest of the, this next generation so that things are better. So what I would say to you and a lot of these other guys are, building those relationships with stakeholders so that you, when you're done playing, you can be in a power position to start making some decisions. That's what I would say. All
7: right, I like that. Yeah. One. And to, um, you know, definitely piggyback off of uh, what Nicole is saying. One thing that if I could talk to my, you know, 22 year old self, when I graduated from, from Delaware, I would say stick in an area, you know, stick in an area and really grow and develop that area. Um, the Washington, D.C. area, you know, Hugh, I, I know you're from Gaithersburg, but let you know it's a big, wide area. Um, I wish I would have stayed a little bit longer in Prince George's County and continued to grow it, grow it, grow it. I mean, my business has now taken off and it's throughout the Washington, D.C. area um, in D.C. and Virginia. But if I've really focused in on one area, then I could have gotten the stakeholders like um, Nicole mentioned, um, the political people behind me. Um, I could have, you know, done a lot more. You know with you guys getting ready to retire um you can have a lot of energy um the energy I think kind of weans a little bit, especially when you're constantly getting pushed back pushed back pushed back um so I would definitely say focus in on a specific area and really grow it
4: yeah hey Justin I'll piggyback on um I'll piggyback on that, and um I mean you're absolutely right uh, I've been in Bethesda. I've been in Bethesda since nineteen ninety yep been in Bethesda, <laughs> right, and then started coaching, and um, I pretty much just stuck it with the same club, and with all of that, I, I went on to develop like um, over forty players onto the youth national team, national team, um, senior national team players. I have players going all throughout Europe, and I, on my club team, my on my Bethesda Roadrunner team, I had. Nine national team players on the same team and four a residency mm.
3: from mm-hmm. the same team. Talk about it.
4: that oh. club team. And then so um, this is what I've been doing. And, um, and since I got into Howard, um, I'm also like giving scholarships and talking to those kids <laughs> about how important education is. And then um, giving back in soccer, getting involved with coaching and things like that, you know. Once we can start doing that, I think it will take root. Um, I'm advising Joseph. Even I brought him to Bethesda. Joseph did some clinics um, with Bethesda. And, um, you know, I'm trying to, like, uh, start a little foundation for him. And then as soon as he's finished with the MLS, boom, straight into coaching, you know, hitting the ground running. And then so we need to start, you know, getting involved in these kind of ways. And I think that's the best way to go about it.
7: Definitely agree with that, and I mean, you can go anywhere. Like I was talking to uh, Marcelo Valencia, uh, Philip. I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned your name, and he said, "Philip Zhao." <laughs> we know Everyone Philip Zhao. Everybody, Everybody You know him throughout an area, but you stayed in one area specifically and kind of built that name up, um, which is excellent. You know, so that's something you I would recommend if you uh, choose to stay in Charlotte. You know, focusing on that area. I mean, you already got a great name. In terms of playing for the USL team. Hopefully you get an opportunity to play for the MLS squad and Charlotte to continue uh, to build your brand. I'll say use us. I would say use us. That's what I would
1: say. Use us.
2: Use us,
1: use us, man. He's gotta use us. You have all these people that, that's around you that have been through it, done it. Use us. Let us come in and help you build what you're trying to build. Because we like to go on our own a lot, but there's so many black coaches who can help you. And we're all willing to do it. You're yeah. going to have to pay for a hotel and a meal here and there, but we'll come in and we'll come work for and help you. I mean, that's, a, I, that's something that I, I enjoy the most. When I go to different tournaments, when I'm coaching, I love meeting the guys who I've battled against and played against and then say to them, hey, take a look at this kid. And the thing about it, even though that coach didn't have a video of that kid, respect your values because he knows you're not going to guide him the wrong way mm-hmm. and and 90% of coaches have, that I've sent to colleges the coaches never even ask me for anything because I'm recommending my name because mm-hmm. I know my name is not going to try and destroy what you're trying to do so mm-hmm. use us man use the older guys and I'm talking much older than you you're a kid <laughs> <laughs> who's the older guys we're making <laughs> to help you man you want to, you make become better.
6: That's that's 100% true, because I know you and I, we've had conversations all the time about players, and if you tell me a kid's good, that's good enough for me, you know what I mean? I don't even need to see the kid, uh, you know, play. Uh, You know, the one thing I would say is just figure out what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the biggest thing is like, what do you want? I mean, there's so many different ways you can take this, uh, you know, that you can make an impact, whether you're an agent, you go club route, you go the college route, you know, do you want to start, uh, you know, trying to, you know, a pro route, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, coaching and things like that, finding what you want to do and then start that path now while you're playing. You know what I mean? Don't wait until you have two years left or one year left to say, okay, now I'm going to get into coaching. Well, your career is over now, you know, and so you need to make money at the end of the day. You need to yourself. So figure it out now and then start that path, you know, so that, uh, you know, you can start to gain some momentum. And then like Brian says, uh, you know, reach out, you know, and, uh, you know, try to, you know, have people, uh, you know, help you, uh, you know, along the way. Uh, you know, because I do think that's, uh, you know, something that can be very beneficial. And
8: definitely. definitely, I mean, Hugh, you know how many times we talk. Um, uh, and so, like, even our first conversation and when it was about figuring out, like, what's your plan afterwards? Because there's always life after soccer, but it's never too early to think about it. And so I think for guys like you, you are way ahead of a lot of players. And I am not just saying that because I'm your agent, but I'm just saying like you you know, you really are we didn't know. We
1: didn't know. <laughs> like you, you
8: really are ahead, right? Of a lot of players and 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 you know, when I talk to different players, sometimes I don't I won't sign a player if they're not really sure because it, it, it doesn't work for me. I'm a person who's always forward thinking. I'm always thinking about the future and, and and that's my job to be able to kind of help you you know, um, be able to accomplish all those things. And so for guys like you, you're, you're already there because you have taken those steps, right. By obviously creating something like backyard foodie and then the foundation now. So, and then you're, you know, you coach, um, here and there. So even with that, and then eventually possibly getting into like creating maybe your own soccer camp. I mean, we've talked about that too, whether that's something that's in Charlotte or something that's in, um, you know, like D.C., back home. It's, it's things like that where you're able to give back because there's so many kids that I always say this, you, you can't be what you can't see. And for these young kids, for them to want to say, I want to be a soccer player, imagine if you go to the inner cities, these kids, they don't really know the black players. They know, like, who Cristiano Ronaldo is. Right. They know who, like, Leo Messi is. But do they know a Hugh Roberts? Or even if you go to, like, maybe East Charlotte, where that's a huge, you know, um, more of like an inner city area, these kids need to say, well, I want to be like Hugh Roberts. He's playing for Charlotte Independence. I I, I want to do that someday. So, you know, creating things like that, whether it's a small soccer camp or, or something to, to just give back to the community is so important. I mean, obviously, on the financial side, while you're playing, making sure, you know, that part is right. well set up for... The future, because that's key, you know. So it's uh, you're already there. But as far as other players, they need to kind of take a page from your book and see what you're doing.
2: So
5: for me,
8: Andrew, yeah. I was gonna say, so I can yeah. call you out, Andrew. <laughs> of course,
2: I, I
5: can always rely on Nicole to call me out. <laughs> always rely on her. I would say, number one is is cultivating your relationships, right, um, and make sure that you. Always do that year by year. For me, it always started with you know my college coach, you know, and you know always speaking with him and touching base with him and learning. You know, my my coaching philosophy is molded after him, right? And so always bouncing ideas when it comes to college soccer and just navigating the college realm. You know, he was just such he is to this day such a great resource, Dave Saber. He's retired now, and then. On the second point is is trying to get as many a variety of experiences as possible you know and not relying on you know this single route of yeah I'm gonna do my licenses and that's that right. it's you know can I travel can I you know shadow a coach at you know a professional club or a college program can I you know go to Spain, you know, bring a a, a team over there and compete in a tournament. And that begins to open up your eyes, you know, as a coaching perspective. But then, you know, as you're there in that country, you start to maybe ask yourself some questions. Hey, maybe it's the marketing side because I like how this tournament was set up. And I like the sponsorship, you know, avenue of it or the presentation. You you, you begin to see – other things and it, it begins to open up your mind. So try to get as
7: many experiences as possible in the soccer, soccer realm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that Andrew. Um, and Hugh, I'll also say uh, use LinkedIn as much as possible. I mean, LinkedIn is just an amazing source. I've made a goal to meet three new people on LinkedIn every single day who are in direct competition to what I'm doing. And it, uh, it, it's, it's just been amazing. You, people, you meet people from all over the world. Um, so eventually, like Andrew mentioned, if you do take a trip to Spain, you've already got your contacts there that you've already started to cultivate and then there'll be a snowball effect because that person is going to put you in touch with somebody else and somebody else. And next thing you know, you go to Spain for a week, you leave with 20, 25 contacts, right. you know, you siphon through it and you see who, who can help you and how can you help them in, in return? And then you, you keep the relationships going. Yeah. Definitely agree, and I appreciate you guys for all this
0: insight, man. But seriously, we're gonna need a part two soon. Honestly, this is one of the.
2: <laughs> for me as a player, I
0: know everyone listening to this is gonna be really. They're gonna learn a lot from this. But as a player, I commend you guys for just speaking up and giving me this opportunity to listen to you guys. Because I learned a lot. You really don't hear the coaches' perspective at all. You start to hear more players, but the coaches, they're treated just as bad as us players. And I really commend you guys for speaking up. And I've learned a lot. So, like I said. We might have to do a part two soon. I'm going to hit you guys up. Re- feel free to reach out to other black coaches in this country. I would definitely want to keep this going. Like uh, Cole was saying earlier, we just need to keep this conversation going, keep this momentum going. So I definitely want to consider having a part two. And if you guys want to reach mm-hmm. out to some other coaches that you guys know, it would be definitely appreciated. Um, and like I said, too, thank you guys for coming on the show. I'm going to send you guys the link and uh, promote this thing like crazy. It should be out next week. But really appreciate you guys for coming Wonderful. on.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
8: Thanks.
1: Can we get a list of um, the people on the call, the phone yeah. numbers and stuff? Unless <laughs> Philip, I know want to give out his phone number. I'll put everybody in the group. I'll do that right now. I'll put everyone in the group chat so we're all on top be, of it. Especially the lady who needs, um, you know, that, that lady who's an agent, you know,
8: that's
1: all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> especially.
6: especially. <laughs> I I know, when guys. we reach it out. I will be reaching out. I apologize. Yeah.
8: I Who's reach- that, Bo? That's, That's you? Bo. Okay. <laughs> just just you, too. I'm still Call waiting for the that. acceptance, Justin, <laughs> on the um, LinkedIn request. Me? Justin.
7: Yes, you. On LinkedIn? Oh,
8: yeah. Oh, I'm going to it right now.
7: When did you send that?
8: Man, like oh months, Lord. Ago. months ago, oh boy, oh boy! I keep my receipts, okay? I keep my receipts.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it right and, now.
8: Andrew, Andrew, you're good because you were, you know, you were one of the first.
5: So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, not, you're I'm safe not, on this side. I'm one. not giving Brian my contact because he's gonna hunt me for money. <laughs> <laughs> That's <all he>
2: wants.
8: <laughs> no,
5: really?
8: no, no, absolutely. No, I, I, I think it's truly. Um, I think it's truly important, you know, because there's only but so many of us in this space. Yeah. I mean, at least for me on the agent side, like being a female, is it's tough because, and then being a black female, especially here in the US, it's like there's no other, <laughs> you know, females. Yeah. And So um, Nicole has been like a big sister to me, um, just really, you know, helpful. Andrew, you two have done a lot to even help mm-hmm. me out. So I appreciate that. Hugh, you make my job um, great because it's easy to do with you. You know, it's not like you're one of those players that causes a lot of um, trouble for me, um, which is good. And, you know, obviously to the rest of you coaches, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of the sport. And so, and then, of course, just seeing the work that you guys do in and out. it's it, Like Nicole said before, it, it needs to be highlighted. It's so important. Um, and I'm just grateful to be able to be on this call with you guys. So thank you so much, Hugh. For-
2: yeah, thank you.
8: I just
3: want to add one last thing, because I think it's important, especially like with that, what I'm trying to do with my group is to definitely show the unity of when Black people come together with good intentions, with a pure heart, with a pure mind, what we can do together. So it's also almost coming up with a code of conduct on how we interact with each other, how we lift each other up. I don't it, it, for me there's no competition. It's community first. So you'll always see that with anything we post is community first because we have to love each other, we have to support each other and we we know we have this young man who's coming up. We want us to make sure he's successful. Every single person on this call, we want to make sure they're successful. The advancement of blacks in the sport of the soccer should really be all of our our goal and our mission. To lift each other up. I think that's really really important for us to set that example.
2: Definitely.
3: Also
0: I'll be sending you guys a link soon for video and uh, Apple Podcast. I'm putting everyone in the group chat right now so we all can see. Awesome. awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. All, all right. right. Thank you again.
2: Perfect.
3: Well, thank, thank you, guys. you so yes. much. Thank, awesome. thank you so much. Of course. All right. Take, take, take
2: care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.